This is Alice Lucy and you are listening to the Horror Squad podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast. This is episode number 287, where tonight we are going to be talking about Jersey Shore Shark Attack and Deep Blue Sea. Happy Shark Week, everybody. Thank you so much, everyone, for voting for Jersey Shore Shark Attack. Finally, justice for Joe. I am very excited to talk about it. We actually have an interview as well tonight. Uh, We had the honor of talking to Alice Lucy and Casper Van Dien from Mad Heidi. Me and Steve are going to be talking about it during our What Watch tonight. I do want to mention we actually did interview them prior to the actor's strike, so uh, we probably won't be doing any more interviews for a while until that ends. I will give a little update during the news segment as well, kind of give to give you, for those of you that don't know about it, we'll know a little more about it. But uh, yeah, stick around for that interview. Awesome interview. I mean, come on, Johnny Rico, Casper Vandine. We talked a little Starship Troopers as well for you Starship Troopers fans. But Steve, how you doing, buddy? We were just in Salem together. How'd you enjoy it? Yeah, I mean, you know, Salem is such a great time. Unfortunately, I didn't get to go for very long. I was only there for like two days, basically. And I got sick for the second half of the second day. There's something about Salem, man. I just like, every time I go there, I get sick. So who knows what's going on over there. But I did have a great time. We did a lot of cool stuff. Uh, went, you know, downtown, checked out a few restaurants. We went on a Tiki cruise, which was absolutely fantastic. Could not recommend that enough. My wife was like, just raving about the drinks on that tea cruise she's really cool people who run that that, that what's it called uh joe what's the tea um it's just simply called tiki hut boats put on by scott and karen they're the owners husband and wife very small business just awesome people yeah and then i got to hang out with joe and sam you know got to oogle his horror display in his apartment and it was a great time visiting both and uh, on the way back home it's uh it's about a seven and a half eight hour drive Joe tipped me off that I was going to pass basically right through the Beetlejuice 2 filming location in East Corneth, Vermont, I believe it is. And I did. And I went to see the set. It's basically one street that this uh, whole thing is on. It's a very, very small town that's got just like maybe 20 buildings. And it was fucking awesome. Um, I got to see the covered bridge, which they like they covered for the movie. It's actually not covered in real life. I got to see the house from a distance because you're not allowed to actually go up to the house, but there are some spots in the town that you could get a really cool shot of it. It's actually draped in like black fabric. Apparently that's a design choice in the movie. I guess we'll find out when that comes out. And I got to see like all the facades for the town itself. Uh, there was a church, there was a school for girls, there was the old uh, Maitland hardware store, which is now like a like a restaurant or something. And it was fucking awesome. You know, it's all decorated for Halloween. A lot of the decorations, I think, aren't there because they shut down production. But you could still see some of the light posts and stuff like that and the stuff inside the store. So fantastic location. If you get a chance to go see it while it's still up, highly recommend it. It was, it was awesome. Awesome weekend all around. And uh, can't wait to go back uh, to CLM in October. We'll see. Yes, definitely. Things are, things are progressing, ladies and gentlemen. Just save the dates. October 20th through the 22nd, 
you aren't going to want to miss it, I don't think. It should be an awesome time. There's going to be a lot more involved this time around. It's going to be a full weekend of events. As soon as we can officially announce something, we will. But make sure, you know, stay tuned. All our social media and stuff, we will announce it as soon as possible. Hopefully within the next month or so, we can find it, we can do it. But yeah, things are definitely progressing on that. Uh, that Beetlejuice 2 filming location, though, that is awesome. Um, I have seen theories around the black draping over the house skip ahead like maybe a minute if you don't want to hear a spoiler or you know fan theory spoilers but the theory is is that the house is basically in mourning lydia of uh, not lydia um the mother there what's her name in the movie i can't remember it you remember all right whatever whatever The, the mom the mom obviously being an artist and so extra basically the theory is is that jeffrey jones who played the father basically they killed him off and basically that is why Lydia and her daughter are returning to town and, you know, will probably unleash Beetlejuice again. But that that is sort of the theory of why this black draping is currently over the house, which I think makes a lot of sense because otherwise I, I don't think it makes sense why there'd be black draping over it. So, yeah, that's sort of that theory. But I, I would love to get up there. That sounds super cool. Just seeing the covered bridge alone, I think, and, and the house from a distance would be awesome. Yeah, it's, it's super cool. But I have to mention that if they do end up tearing the set down at some point, it probably won't look anything like Bill Juice because, I right. mean, like I said, the uh, the covered bridge, I, it looks pretty good. I don't know if they're actually going to. It's coming it down. No, okay, they, yeah, it, so, it's definitely coming down. So you wouldn't see that. The house is completely just a facade. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw the back of it. It's w- wide open. And mm-hmm. the buildings are all have a like facade taut, like front to them. So yeah. there's really nothing that would be the same as the movie, except maybe the church and the, the school for girls, which is something else. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely check it out if you have a chance uh, before they tear it all down, because it's cool. It's like walking into like a fictional town you know it's just there's something about it that's it, it was awesome like i just it was a great time and just to think that i was standing where beetlejuice you know, happened was just an awesome experience very very cool and uh yeah i just want to shout out tiki hot boats one more time uh tiki if you would like to uh if you're ever in the salem area they book up super super fast they don't have any openings for the rest of the summer but they do have some openings for october so if you are planning on coming in october maybe even that weekend of october for our event maybe you can see if you can get in for that but they start booking in i believe early january so if you are wanting to get it for the summer months the weekends obviously book up the fastest but yeah i highly highly recommend that it only holds six people so book fast if you can for that but uh yeah shout out once again to them we posted a picture with them on our social media too so if you want to go and see what kind of the boat looks like and all that go and check it out but yeah ready to do some horror news steve yeah so how about uh, we spill a little tea Oh, you want the tea. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We don't serve tea. Nope. Instead, you get a cup of Joe. And now here's Joe with the news. All right, folks. Here it is. Thank you, Chuck, once again. And here it is, your cup of Joe for this week. Let's start off with, of course, the biggest news that has basically shook the entire movie industry. And that is the SAG-AFTRA strike the actors of course well the writers went on strike about a month or two ago and now the actors have also gone on strike i don't know a ton about why they're striking i know one of the biggest sticking points it has to do with ai which is you know super interesting basically what the studios want to do is they want to take 
you know, background extras, actors, they want to be able to use AI and not pay them after the, you know, a one-time use, which is pretty fucked up. And I can see why they are striking for that reason. Cause you're basically taking away money from all the background extras and whatnot. So that, yeah. So, I mean, I, I personally stand in solidarity. Uh, there's, there's another big reason that they're okay. striking uh, and that's residuals. So yes. the way it's been working basically forever is uh, especially people in television, you, you know, you do your show, you get paid for it. And then when it airs on TV, you get a certain like small, but you get a percentage of all of the, uh, the money that goes through those deals. But now with streaming, there are no residuals or very few residual checks. So you're actually not getting paid all that much because it's on a network. So the network kind of makes the entire, uh, all the money, you know, they're not sending it to Brazil to have to be on TV 24 hours a day, you know, like MASH and Seinfeld and stuff like Friends, you know. So that's another big part of it. So yeah, absolutely. Highly support them and, and the writers, you know, who are also on strike. So hopefully they can resolve that quick because uh, yeah, it's bullshit and they need more money. Yeah. So what does this, I guess, all mean for us? Well, first of all, for the listeners, it's going to mean no interviews until this strike comes through. You know, we work with a lot of promotional companies, so don't expect any sort of interviews until the strike ends. A lot of productions are currently shut down. Obviously, they shut down the production of Beetlejuice 2, Chucky, pretty much everything is completely shut down right now. So Don't expect uh, some of your favorite horror movies or TV shows to come out on schedule. Also, conventions might be affected. San Diego Comic-Con being the biggest one because they bring in, uh, they work with studios. As far as other conventions, horror conventions and whatnot, the actors, there was a lot of confusion um, with that. But based on what I've read, basically actors are still going to be allowed to attend horror conventions and whatnot. They'll be able to sign. What it might affect is panels. You might not see panels during this strike. From what I've heard, they are not allowed to talk about any prior work they had. So obviously there's a Lost Boys reunion coming up in August that I'm going to be attending. Unfortunately, I do not think you will see a panel for that. But they, from what I've heard, they will be able to sign. People were concerned that maybe they wouldn't be able to sign stuff from their prior works. You know, So if you had, say, a Lost Boys poster or something like that, they will be able to sign that because you know, it has their likeness on it, but they will not be able to talk about the work. So it will be, it was talk about, oh, so celebrities aren't going to be able to attend cons at all. That is not true. They will be able to still show up, sign, but no panels or anything like that. So that is basically how it is kind of affecting everything right now. Hopefully they can resolve it sooner rather than later, but this might go on for a while. It might be, uh, you know, five, six months, maybe more. So, but hopefully the sooner the better for all of us. So good luck with that. Keep you guys up to date on that. And Todd has arrived, ladies and gentlemen. Todd has joined the Hi. chat. He's made it. How are you? Good. Good to see you, Todd. Yeah, How you been? Been all right. Been all right. Hey, my thoughts on it. If you do the job, you get the money. Pay the people. Come on. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Next bit of news here is the Emmy Awards have been announced. And congratulations to some of our horror related television shows and movies the biggest one of course the last of us so hot last year receiving over 20 emmy nominations including outstanding drama series as well as pedro pascal and bella ramsey also getting nods for their work on that also yellow jackets also getting uh, an outstanding drama series nod 
as well as Wednesday, the television show getting outstanding comedy series. Perhaps one of the biggest surprises to come out of this is Prey. Prey actually picked up an Emmy nomination for Outstanding TV Movie. So that is awesome for them. Congratulations to that. Also of note is the Jeffrey Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer story starring Evan Peters also picked up a Emmy nomination. My Boston accent came out there. Just talk like Stephen that. Man, let, it, let everything happen. Like let's, have a, let's have a true accent show from Joe. Yeah. Um, so congratulations to Evan Peters for that. Not he did an amazing portrayal of Jeffrey Dahmer on that show. So yeah, hopefully pray. Fingers crossed. I, I I don't see it winning, but that's awesome that it was able to even pick up a nomination. I was I was surprised to see that. So congratulations to them. All right, twenty eight years later, folks. Is it going to happen? Well, maybe it will, because recently during an interview, Danny Boyle and is it Cillian Murphy? Is it Killian Murphy? I think it's Killian. That mean? All right, Killian Murphy. Mm-hmm. Killian Murphy during his Oppenheimer, Barbenheimer, maybe, ladies and gentlemen, it's happening this weekend and the, the apocalypse, Barbie and Oppenheimer coming out together. I'm going to see Oppenheimer on Saturday. I cannot wait for it. But yeah, Killian Murphy during his press junket for Oppenheimer recently has come out and said that he has been in talks with Danny Boyle regarding 28 years later. Danny Boyle also, after Killian Murphy's words, he came out and said, so we're talking about it quite seriously, quite diligently. He said, if he doesn't want to direct regarding um, the original director itself, I'll be up for it. If we can execute similarly good idea, he said, yeah, I mean, that's what he said. So he said they're talking, it's in serious talks. Yeah, are you guys, I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, the movie came out, what? We're almost at 28 years later at this point. So are, are you ready for it? Is, is it too late? first one. No, you know, I, I love parts one and two, but they've been talking about this just like Bruce and them were talking about Evil Dead forever. They've been talking about it since 28 weeks later came out. And at that point, I think it was termed 28 months later. So yes, I would be thrilled to see it. But, you know, until we're in production, I... I'm optimistic, you know, cautiously optimistic, I guess. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, I think it's the time, you know, if they're ever going to do it, because mm-hmm. with Oppenheimer, you know, Kelly Murphy is at kind of his peak of his career. So I think Danny Boyle probably recognizes that. And he's not getting any younger either, uh, Danny Boyle. So it's like, should I get off the pot at this point? And hopefully we see it, you know, it's, it'd be cool to see him kind of go back to horror for one last time wonder where you go with it though because at the end of part two england was lost again because americans got destroyed or whatever by a new outbreak so i wonder if all europe is covered or something or it's worldwide i don't know there's a lot of ways you can go with it no yeah definitely definitely maybe go uh the way of bird box barcelona you can move to a, a different country or something like that and see what they're what's going on over there we'll see anyone watch it yet not hearing great yeah, things. I didn't even about know it was out. <laughs> yeah, it came out, uh, I think, on Friday on Netflix. So. Uh, All right, next bit of news here. And I know this is one Steve very excited about. Halloween Horror Nights has announced their latest house, and it is going to be Stranger Things based on the newest season. Uh, they are titling it, titling it Vecna's Curse. So, yeah, Steve. I'm thoughts? super excited. I, they had apparently a fallout with Netflix over the last few years. So I'm happy that they seem to have resolved that. Now I wonder, is the strike going to affect HHN? Because they're not supposed to promote anything that's, uh, they call it struck, which is something that a production that is currently kind of active or that is part of that uh, union. So I don't know what's going to happen, but if it does go 
it's honestly shaping up to be the best Halloween Horror Nights ever with uh, Chucky, The Last of Us, and uh, Stranger Things Season 4 currently announced. And there's rumors that the next two will be The Exorcist and uh, Evil Dead. So holy shit, that's that's crazy. Especially after last year, which was kind of lackluster. I'm pretty psyched. Uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's going to look cool. I think Stranger Things Season 4 is going to look really fucking cool. At HHN, I, I could just picture it already, just being in Vecna's lair and, you know, seeing the Master of Puppets scene play out and it's going to be fucking awesome. Absolutely. Well, if you can't make it to Halloween Horror Nights, perhaps you live over by the Mall of America because the Mall of America announced that they are opening a massive 45,000 square foot haunted attraction for this Halloween season. It is going to be running September 15th through October 31st. They are going to be doing specialty bars, themed cocktails, basically a mini sort of Halloween Horror Nights. Interestingly enough, the title that they are calling this is Onion Heads Revenge. So what is Onion Head's Revenge, might you ask? Well, they went on to describe the local legend of Onion Head. So Onion Head is the cruel nickname forced upon a young man from Louisiana who was brutally murdered by a vigilant mob after being wrongly accused for the murder of a young woman. Consumed by rage, the assailant hacked his body into 13 pieces and scattered them in a nearby cemetery. Well, Onion Head has risen from the grave and is now out for revenge. So Rightfully kind of so. Rightfully <laughs> so. Get after it, Onion Head. <laughs> right. So if you are the Mall of America, which I believe is Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken. So if you're in that area, go and check it out. It sounds like it could be a lot of fun. All right. Just one more bit of news. I wanted to end on this because it's pretty big. Return of the Living Dead reboot ladies and gentlemen is currently in the works. So you know, obviously one of the greatest sort of horror comedy zombie franchises of all time well is this good is it bad i don't know yet you know but it's coming so the company that's putting it out is going to be well here we go first of all todd i know you better not be david gordon green i better not no it is not (laughs) so the company that is going to be putting out is called living all right living i'm already I'm already not excited about this based on what I'm reading, but the company is uh, living dead media is but currently behind the planned upcoming reboot who will be directing. You say Steve Walsh. Does the name sound familiar, Todd? Uh, no, but what did he direct that? I hated. How about the movie kill her goats? Oh, fuck no. <laughs> so oh, Steve no. Walsh, it's on the Steve... lowest oh, no, bottom five of the list easily this year. <laughs> so Steve Walsh, uh, credited with Kill Her Goats and also the movie Muck, has been attached fuck. to direct the film. Living Dead Media went on to say, our reboot of Return of Living Dead will expand the existing world created by the original five films while staying true to the R-rated sci-fi horror dark comedy roots adored by fans of the cult classic around the world for the last 35 years the company also noted we are excited to uh, resurrect this storied franchise for current fans and new generations of zombie fans so i mean i don't know what do you guys want to see out of a return of the living dead remake Mm. living dead media sounds like something i would have named my (laughs) production company when i was 11 so we'll just put that. No, it's, you know, no offense to the director, but, you know, the killer, kill her goats was not as advertised and just wasn't a good film. So I would like to see more of, 
his own properties to get some practice in before he takes on something as big as Return of Living Dead. As far as what I would want to see, honestly, four and five are just so fucking awful. I think the story's ran its course. You know what I mean? So I, I just rather than not make a film, honestly. Yeah, I, I just want to see a fun zombie film. I mean, that's you know, use the name, I guess, but. Uh, you know, I want to see something fun. That's basically all I want. Uh, a lot of the zombie films lately have been kind of more on the serious side. So I hope that's the thing that they take from it, but I don't have high hopes for this at all. Yeah, me either based on sort of the company putting out. I wish it was sort of a bigger studio somebody, but I feel like, yeah, this is going to be a direct to DVD sort of thing that, you know, we deserve, it would be, I mean, I think this, this franchise definitely is ripe for, the taking and could really get a theatrical release with the with the right studio behind it but we'll see how this goes well actually one last thing i want to mention because i don't think anyone has seen it yet the mean one starring david howard thornton as the grinch of course basically got like a one-day release in theaters and then just sort of disappeared off the face of the earth uh it's actually yeah i think most people did (laughs) most people haven't seen it well it is going to be getting a uh release on vod october 3rd of this year right in time for Halloween slash Christmas season. So perhaps something we can cover around Christmas time for the podcast. We shall see. But uh, yeah, for those of you who have been wanting to check out David Hart and Thornton, who of course played most famously plays Art the Clown, his portrayal of the Grinch, you can check it out October 3rd. And that is going to be it, ladies and gentlemen, for Horror News this week. All right. Yeah, awesome. So before we get on to our next segment, How about a little coffee break with our friends at Deadly Gun Coffee? Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. What watched? Yes. All right, what you guys got? All right, we'll start off with Mad Heidi. Don't forget, stick around for our interview with Mad Heidi herself, Alice Lucy, and also the main villain of the movie, Casper Van Dien, or Dean. I always say Dean. I don't know why, but I think I even said that when I introduced him in the interview, so stick around for that. Um, Amateur hour. (laughs) (laughs) No, but uh, super awesome, great both just great people you know casper i introduced him with a little starship troopers intro and he already was like yeah you're my people i already he's like when people talk starship troopers i know you're my type of people so yeah great 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 interview with the both of them really interesting stuff with casper regarding a potential what well a failed robert rodriguez potential starship troopers thing so yeah really really interesting stuff he really went into detail with that so uh stick around for that um but yeah let's get into it mad heidi mad heidi came out this year 2023 release you can check it out i believe as far as the day of this release it is available on vod so you can go and check it out god how do you even explain this movie essentially we are in a sort of alternate sort of universe in switzerland where sort of think Nazi Germany, but instead of Nazis, we have these sort of a dictatorship where they 
essentially like cheese is like one of the biggest like sort of exports that's coming out of switzerland and they are essentially like using propaganda and sort of like mind control like in their cheeses to, to control uh the people of switzerland well heidi ends up essentially uh, what happens is uh, heidi's boyfriend and grandfather ends up sort of getting executed by these I'll just say like Swiss Nazis, I guess. And basically the rest of the movie is sort of her revenge tale. Casper Van Dien plays the sort of quote unquote, I guess, Hitler character in this sort of the main uh, dictator of this cheese. And he has created a super cheese that essentially turns people into almost superhuman cheese zombies and you know and that's the movie and it's mad heidi going after our main dictator trying to take down this cheese empire (laughs) so yeah i mean the premise absolutely ridiculous but if you were on board with that which you're gonna know right away based on how i explain this movie if you're gonna be on board or not i was expecting it to be absolutely terrible and lo and behold i was very pleasantly surprised this movie is a super fun time extremely cheesy pun intended obviously but yeah i mean if you're into like ground grindhouse style movies i mean this is going to be like right up your alley think sort of like the fake trailers in like those grindhouse movies that you know tarantino and robert rodriguez did think about one of those trailers made into kind of like a full-length movie and that's pretty much what you're getting here it has that sort of style it's shot in that style mad heidi probably maybe one of my favorite characters so far i've seen this year she's an absolute badass and there's potential for a sequel based on how the movie ends so yeah i i had a good time with it it's you know it's nothing it's not gonna break my top 10 or anything like that but i had a ton of fun watching it this is the perfect movie to watch with just a group of friends and sort of uh just have a good time with so i I gave it a three out of five i was close to giving it a three and a half out of five but, you know, I think it depends on the mood of the day. But I'm right. I'm teetering between three and three and a half on it. Yeah, I. OK, so this movie is a goddamn delight. If you are into this type of film like I am, I had such a great fucking time with this. It's like you said, you know, no pun intended, really cheesy. Uh, the performances are all over the place. But that works really well for this movie. Casper Van Dien, for example, he has kind of a Swiss accent but he loses it like in and out throughout the movie. But, and that sounds bad, but because of the way that the characters portrayed it, it actually works for the film. It has a ton of memorable moments, like stuff that could all be like the best moment of the year. And it is bloody and gory as fuck. I, it's like surprising how like crazy the blood and guts are in this movie. There are some amazing kills. It's, it's just such a fucking great film. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's not like a, you know, a top tier, like serious film, like you'll probably get in a lot of our top fives. But for me personally, this is one of my favorites of the year. And I could see it make my top 10 by the end of the year. So highly recommend that people check it out. I actually give it a four out of five on Letterboxd. It's, it's a fun time. And you could tell they had a blast making it, which just makes the whole experience even, even better. I am super excited to check that one out. So looking forward to it. Okay, I have one this week as well, and it's 1999 Shark Attack, also 
starring Casper Van Dien. I love, I love Casper Van Dien. Ever since I saw him in Starship Troopers, he's just a, he's a talent and he's in a lot of these lower budget films, but all the cheesiness aside, he doesn't let that affect his performance. Like sometimes, you know, like you guys just described, the character can be off a little bit, but he always gives it all and I respect that. So Shark Attack though, is about uh, this guy named Steven, played by Casper Van Dien, who gets an email from a colleague in South Africa talking about numerous shark attacks and he wants Casper Van Dien's help. When he arrives in South Africa, he learns that the gentleman that emailed him was killed by a shark under mysterious circumstances. Uh, so now we're following Casper Van Dien as he has to deal with angry locals because they worship the sharks. And ever since the quote-unquote scientists from America got, got there, sharks have been killing people, driving away fishing business, driving away tourists, tour, tourism, things like that. Ernie Hudson plays a shady entrepreneur businessman with the fucking worst African accent I've ever heard. It's so annoying. It's annoying because he, on some words, he does it really strong and other words, he doesn't do it at all. So it's just like so fucking lame. I hate his performance in this. And the movie, although it's called Shark Attack, doesn't really have that many shark attacks. It's mostly like he's uh, trying to talk to the scientists that may be doing some shady shit, quote, or uh, newsflash he is of course he has a cure for cancer just like deep blue sea of the same year does based on sharks um and then we're following him as he's trying to just figure out what's going on and try to uh, expose the evil doctor for who he is but plot twist that guy that ernie hudson he might be the bad guy and it's pretty obvious because they tell him or they uh, telegraph it from a mile away but you're going to see a bunch of scenes where Casper jumps into the water fully clothed. I'm talking like layers of clothing, nice slacks, dress shoes, a fucking shirt, an overshirt, his sunglasses, everything. He jumps into the water with the fucking homemade spear, fights sharks numerous times. It's pretty fun. And he gives it his all, man. Like, is it a perfect film? No, but it's super fun. It has practical sharks, which I always respect. I hate when they do terrible CGI sharks. And this one mixes practical sharks that you can tell are like, animatronic or not even animatronics just like foam sharks with their mouths open or something for the scene as well as stock footage that looks really nice because it looks like they had people in real shark cages filming the scenes for them so sometimes you can see stock footage and tell like oh they pulled that from another documentary put in this film it looks like they actually filmed the documentary footage for this film and stuck it in so it color matches and all that stuff so shark attack a solid two and a half out of five located on tubi Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely adding that to, to my list uh, because it is Shark Week. And I also have two uh, shark movies I watch for what watch this week, as I do every year, because I absolutely love Shark Week and I love stupid shark movies. So I don't know if we mentioned it, but the two movies that we got tonight are based off votes that we had on social media. And my pick was not for the cheesy one was not Jersey Shore Shark Attack. That was Joe. But mine actually lost by one vote. And that was 2022's Doll Shark. And thank God, <laughs> because this movie is bad. Uh, the base, Basically, it's quick story. A guy hunts a shark, kills it, takes like a, one of the teeth or something, inserts it into a shark-like toy, sends it to his son, and the shark comes alive, you know, once it gets to the house and starts attacking people in the house. That's basically the plot of it, is the toy shark, you know, attacking the family and friends of the family who visit the house. This is a, a Polonia joint, so if anyone knows Bad Shark movies, you would probably recognize that name because he is the director 
and star and producer and editor and everything of a lot of them. A lot of those ridiculous shark movies you see on Tubi are from one of these brothers. And it just it just feels so lazy. Like it's like something they made over a weekend just to have just to put it on Tubi, make an amazing poster for it, and then they'll get they'll rack up money, you know, for years to come based off that poster alone and putting absolutely no effort into the film. It was dull. Uh, the CGI blood was just dumb as shit, and I just didn't like it whatsoever. Half star for me on Letterbox. It's definitely not worth your time. The poster's pretty cool, though. That's that's how <laughs> that's they get pretty, you, man. That, that's, that's a pretty cool poster. That, that's that's their mo. Great poster. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool, like you know, uh, gimmick to it. Absolute shit film. So you you are one of twenty nine reviews for Letterboxd <laughs> for that movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's uh, not surprised. Uh, however, my other one, 2010's Sharktopus, which is a movie that one of our listeners actually was recommending over on Facebook, kept putting it into the vote, even though it wasn't one of the options. So I got curious and I checked it out. Again, the story, very basic. Basically, they built a Sharktopus, which is a mix of like a shark's head with an octopus's like tentacles. And it got loose. So you have people like Eric Roberts trying to chase it down and uh, bring it back. I went in expecting the absolute worst, as these movies should be. But I'm not going to lie. It wasn't terrible. In fact, I had a lot, a lot of fun watching it. Because here's what I'm looking for when I'm looking for these types of movies. I'm looking for lots of creative, unique kills and a lot of the shark. And this movie gives you just that. Yes, the story is stupid. Yes, the acting is really, really bad. But you get a ton of sharktopus killing people in all sorts of unique ways. Now, is the CGI great? No. But it's passable enough that it was entertaining. I had fun with this one. I think this is one that might be a recommendation in future years when we do Shark Week. Because it's one of those so bad it's good movies. I gave it three stars out of five on Letterboxd. This is the type of bad shark film that I'm into. Just a lot of sharks, a lot of killings, and a goofy plot. So, Sharktopus, check it out. Both the movie that I mentioned were on Tubi. Very nice. All right, sweet. Trivia time. All right. Trivia scores are as follows. Myself, quarter three, in the lead with six. Steve right behind me with five. Joe right behind him with two. Any man's game, as you can see, we keep coming down the wire with these damn things. So, let's do it. I... I'm going to lead off today. Joe, you are actually on mute. I'm not lying. Right. Yes. <laughs> All right. Question number one. What is the name of the lab in Deep Blue Sea? Aquatica. Correct. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. No Thank you. Right. Don't say anything, but go for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First one tonight. I am going to give you details. All shark themed trivia this week. Mm. So here you go. Mm. I'm going to give you details about the movie. Okay. You try to guess the movie. Okay. So, this movie came out in 1983. The cast. Well, first, director, Joe Alves. Writers, Peter Benchley, Richard Matheson, and others. The Last Shark. Incorrect. The yes. cast. Bess Armstrong as Catherine Morgan. Simon McCork McCorkendale as Philip Fitzroyce. It's a name, McCorkendale. Louis Gossett Jr. as Calvin Bouchard. 
and John Putch as Sean Brody. Oh. This movie is also rated PG. I am leaving out our main actor as it is, um, would be a dead uh, giveaway. But I'll, I'll, I'll give you both guesses, one more guess, and then I will well, give Steve you the main the actor then... giveaway. Sure. I'm going to go Jaws 2. Incorrect. What was the Brody's first name? They gave? Uh, Sean Brody. <sighs> I'm going to go with, uh, I have nothing to lose right now, right? It resets? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to go with a uh, part four. Incorrect. I'll and go I'll give three. You... Correct. Josh. Three. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I knew it was one of them. You got them, it. You got it. And, I got it. And, De- and Dennis Quaid as Mike Brody. Quaid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, also all shark movies this week. Uh, uh, these are kind of gimmies this week. I'm, I'm being very generous with mine. These are all pretty easy, but here we go. So first one, as always, guess the movie based off the IMDb parental guide. All right. Starting with some sex and nudity. Ooh. A teen boy says she's got tits like a sparrow, referring to a teen girl. <laughs> what nice. does that even mean? I don't mean I've never do, do sparrows have big tits? I've never no, I <laughs> uh violence and gore. This is probably the giveaway to me. Yeah. It's like a sparrow. A killer whale is found with a large chunk bitten out of its face. The jaws? Wrong. Fuck me. Wait, uh, was it a large whale? Said uh, a killer whale. A killer whale. Uh, the shallows? Wrong. Oh, do you, Ooh, you we're back, have just wait. <laughs> Profanity. About 10 shits, <laughs> six goddams, four sons of bitches, eight asses, seven dams, seven hells, and lots of bullshit. <laughs> lots of bullshit. I like it. Alcohol, drugs, and smoking. Three characters share a bottle of whiskey, one of them having previously become drunk. Um, and finally, frightening in the tense scenes. This is a pretty intense film. Every death is suspenseful and shocking. As with the first film, it is infamous for making people scared of sharks and going into the water. The music is ominous and intense. Just two. Correct. Nice. Yeah, I thought that was a giveaway because <laughs> it said after the first one. So you're close to that, Todd. You just got the wrong Jaws. Yeah. You didn't. I said Jaws. You said, you said Jaws. Yeah, right. Yeah, I was <laughs> trying to screw me over. Okay. How did how how sorry? Let me start. How big did they say the shark was in Deep Blue Sea? Fifty feet. Incorrect. Eighty. Incorrect. The answer is. It's a 45-foot shock. All right. Very close. All right. Next trivia I got. Name the director who directed a shark movie, but I'm not going to tell you his shark movie. I'm going to tell you his other horror works. Okay. And you guess the director. I like it. Okay. The first one we have, Devil's Pass from 2013. Next. Exorcist, The Beginning, from 2004. Mm. Next, we have Prison, from 1987. Prison. This one might be the giveaway. From 1988, A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Correct. Correct. 
I had it in my in my like chamber, no, but I, I didn't want to. I think we both had Steven Spielberg like at the tip. Like I'm gonna say, Uh, actually, yeah. (laughs) Randy Holland, who directed tonight's movie, Deep Blue Sea. Exactly. Nice. All right. So second one, guess the movie based off the letterbox reviews. Take a shot every time a person threatens to rip off someone else's balls. (laughs) This is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. And cruel jaws. Correct. Man. <laughs> man. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the giveaways were I had, I liked when the girl in the wheelchair used her legs. <laughs> the showgirls of shark movies. <laughs> and my favorite one, the soundtrack was wild. I can't explain it. You have to experience this. Star Wars fans will not be pleased. No Hulk Hogan rep. Budget Hulk Hogan. I, it was too easy. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> that was too much of a giveaway. Classic. Yeah. All right. I have a. Back of the Blu-ray. Oh, yes. After a series of mysterious deaths, an offbeat group of friends get caught up in a lively mix of thrills and chills with hot stars, blank, 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 <laughs> and blank. <laughs> because they're all hot. If you can't, if that's too... Can you repeat just, just without just the blanks? Without the blanks, <laughs> yeah. After a series of mysterious deaths, an offbeat group of friends get caught up in a lively mix of thrills and chills with hot stars. And then <laughs> is it the Jersey Shore Shark Attack? Incorrect. I do not have that Blu-ray, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Wait, did, you, I say that this, did you say this was a shark movie or not? Or no, it's it just some not anything. No. Urban legend? Incorrect. Let me read some more. A clever thriller. Sensational. Terrific entertainment. The smash hit that transformed the horror genre into a phenomenon. Oh. And helped launch the careers of some of today's brightest stars. I know what you did last summer. Incorrect. It's a good guess. Um, I got nothing. I got nothing. Oh, Scream. Scream. Right. To, to be fair, that's a terrible like description of the Yeah, that's very it is. <laughs> but, hey, it's on the Blu-ray. All right. All right. Last one tonight. Three letterbox reviews. Guess the movie. Every once in a while, a horror film comes along that presents a scenario so frighteningly real and entirely plausible, a film that sidesteps your defenses and bypasses the notion that it's only a movie. You're, you're all sharks tonight, too? Yes. Okay. Number two, not too bad once you get used to the laptop camera they use to record this. <laughs> and number three, simple plot, a tiny $500,000 budget. No big name stars, no bells and whistles, and yet it manages to frighten those who can imagine themselves in that terrifying situation. Forty-seven meters below. Incorrect. Mm. Um. Ooh, I got a. I think I have a follow-up. I'm gonna go. Shark Knight 3D. <laughs> Incorrect. Is it open water? It is oh, open yeah, nice. water from 2003. Board, <clears throat> I, I I really like that movie. Super I haven't seen it in a while, movie. but yeah, it's a good one. It's very effective. Mm-hmm. There's sequels too, which I've, I've seen. seen too, which is pretty good too. It's they forget to put the, yeah. the boat ladder down and they're within oh, reach shit. like the whole movie. Oh, that's brutal. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's even more frightening that it's a yeah. true, based on a true story. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. All right, this is such an easy question that I'm gonna have to listen very carefully to see who gets it first because you guys are gonna have to be fucking quick on this one. Let's go. Let's go. Are you ready? Yes. Technically, in the U.S. This should be known as 
154.2 feet down. Four centimeters below. No. Or four centimeters down. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Steve. <laughs> I know what, to get what, to. Are, what is the metric conversion for it? 154.2 feet. <laughs> they should have said that in just the US market. Yeah, I agree. That would have been so funny. <laughs> All right. Well, Joe with the leader today, he's got three. Steve and I tied a two piece. Um, I'm still in the lead by one with eight. Steve, seven. Joe, he's at a five for quarter number three of trivia. All right. Which one do we want to go or first? Uh, Let's go, go Jersey Shore. Yeah. Jersey one. <laughs> All right. Jersey Shore Shark Attack, directed by John Shepard, 2012. Many years ago, hundreds of locals and tourists were massacred by giant man eating sharks in the infamous 1916 Jersey Shore attacks. But that's just a legend. Or is it? It's a holiday weekend on the Jersey Shore, and unbeknownst to anyone, underwater drills have attracted dozens of albino bull sharks to the pier. When a man goes missing, TC, the known as a complication, Nookie and friends fear the worst and plead with the police chief to close down the beach. It isn't until a famous singer is eaten alive during a performance on the pier that the shark hunt begins. Now, the preppies must work together with the, <laughs> with the guidos in order to save the Jersey Shore and its inhabitants from another vicious slaughter. Joe, you've been talking about this one for fucking years. You lead it off. Sure. Yeah, so I basically picked this one because I was a huge, like, Jersey Shore fan. Like, when it first came out, I was, like, all about it. I was, like, I mean, I think most people were. Although a lot of people were. You know, the just the obsession with it was, it was really something that was kind of a lightning in the bottle situation uh, at the time. And uh, it's still going. I mean, to this day, uh, the Jersey Shore phenomenon has not died down. I was actually looking on their new show, Jersey Shore Family Vacation, which I did watch the first couple seasons. It actually has more seasons now than the original run of Jersey Shore, which is pretty amazing. So it's still going. I actually met Mike the Situation once. Um, I got his, he was doing a bottle signing of his protein infused vodka at the time um so i do have an autographed mike the situation vodka bottle in storage somewhere but yeah so i i picked this because i was a fan and i've i had never well i had seen it like a long time ago when it first came out but i hadn't seen it since so i was wanting to give it a revisit and it just seemed like a good time and you know it's it's a fun time actually like i was expecting it to be horrible most sci-fi original movies are but you know it's it does a really good job of parodying the jersey shore characters and whatnot the sharks look awful you know that is the biggest complaint about this movie they i mean it's just bottom barrel cgi used on the sharks but surprisingly for a sci-fi original the movie is uh, very gory there's some great kills there's some great blood in there some really interesting cameos we have um Polly walnuts from the sopranos and also uh paul sorvino from goodfellas fame i know him best from but he's done a ton of other mob movies so some really random fun cameos in here as well my biggest complaint i guess is the lack of real Jersey Shore members. We only get Vinny in this very short sort of news reporter uh, sort of cameo here and there. But I wish we, you know, we got the whole cast in there. I think it would have made it even more fun, even so better. All those people aren't in the Jersey Shore show. No, no, no. they're 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 all thought, parodies okay. of the characters on the show. Basically, you know, oh. you have a, you have a Snooky character. You have. You know, our basically main guy who is our love story is basically Sam and Ronnie, their parody sort of but, situation. But their nickname is The Situation? Yeah, Situation yes. and Snooky, oh. right? So yes. I thought those guys were the actual reality TV no. guys in a movie. 
No, just um, Vinny. Just, just Vinny, the, who is the, the, reporter, the, guy. the reporter guy. Yes, he's um, the actually only Jersey Shore cast member to make an appearance. So overall, it, it's you know it's actually a, a, a pretty fun time if you just kind of turn off your brain. It's certainly not good, but it's way better than what we reviewed last year, Sharks of the Corn, which I wanted to fucking pluck my eyeballs out watching. This was actually a, a decent watch. Yeah, so I also watched all the seasons of Jersey Shore, and I watched the first few seasons of Family Vacation. My wife still watches it, so I like peek at it once in a while while I'm doing other stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's it's a bad movie, obviously, but it's a good parody of the Jersey Shore and all the stuff that goes on it. I mean, it's cool that they actually filmed most of it on the Jersey Shore, you know, at the uh, kind of boardwalk that they have there. So that kind of adds to the ambiance as well. There's a good spoof of the music that they would air on Jersey Shore. Uh, it was cool that they had at least one member of the actual Jersey Shore cast, but it was so obvious that he filmed his shit uh, kind of separately because it was so like green screen and wooden and just absolutely awful. And uh, I was surprised at some of the names that appear in this fucking movie. <laughs> you know, like you said, you have yeah, you have Paul Servino, which I don't know how the fuck they got him. Uh, you also have, um, my God, Rabbit from the Evil Bong series, which I thought was funny, but no one else would probably know. And you have Walter Peck from Ghostbusters or, uh, you know, the villain from Biodome who is also in this, but not in really big roles. And of course, very famously, Joey Fatone, <laughs> which they got in this movie, which actually plays a large part of the story uh it's just like it's a fun movie there are some good kills there are some kills that are really not good too it's it's weird some of them are really kind of just off screen and some of them are really bloody and on screen so i appreciated the effort and i this is my second time that i watched it because i think we mentioned in the past but we were set to review it last summer uh joe and i were because todd was away probably moving somewhere but i got covid and I couldn't do that episode. So Joe ended up doing a solo episode instead. And we just never went back to it. So I, I had to rewatch it again. And I still enjoy it. You know, it's a fun, bad shark movie. Yeah. I'm the lone man out. Never saw any of the shows. So I, that's why it explains why I thought these guys were the actual people. Which doesn't make sense to me that they wouldn't be the, the people. I thought that was a whole gimmick that like we have the reality stars and they're going to make a parody of themselves. But which annoyed me. Like I told you guys in the chat, it annoyed me that this movie was as good as it was because I've been avoiding it, saying refusing to watch it unless it won a fucking a vote or a Joe's birthday pick. And I was, I watched the whole thing. Like I wasn't bored because it was entertaining enough to like keep me interested. It's bad though. Like you guys mentioned, um, the, the sharks looks like just white thumbs, but there's like, there's shark exorcist CGI, which is like the worst. And then this is like two steps up. So it's not like the worst you've ever seen. Shark Exorcist probably take the cake for that, but it's still not good. But like I mirror what you guys said too. There's a surprising, surprisingly good amount of blood in here too. There's some good like after like um, showing wounds and like little like arms severed with like some chunks of skin hanging off and a lot of blood gushing. And then the the Joey Fatone kill was really funny because it just came out of nowhere. I thought he was going to be like a real big plot point, but he starts. I think he starts singing for like a second, and the fucking shark comes out of nowhere and just grabs him. And I I just like. What I love about these low budget films is like these little details, like in the, the killer or the sex doll one that Steve and I had to watch. There's a scene where 
he's making eggs, but for some reason he scrambles them. And then he also breaks yolk into that one again and makes new eggs. So when I see like little details like that, it just makes me laugh. For example, one of the construction workers has a high visibility safety vest on, but it's like four sizes too small. And I'm like, we couldn't go out to the fucking Home Depot, drop six bucks and get this guy <laughs> so we don't have to see his, his rolls. Like, give the guy a break. But like little details like that is just hilarious to me. The frat boys, I wanted to punch in the throat the entire movie. So I thought that was really funny. And yeah, man, I'm ashamed to say that I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Yeah, I will say, I guess my biggest complaint is I do feel like the novelty sort of wears off after a while here. And the love story, like between, you know, the Ronnie, Sammy love stories, I want to call because I don't remember any of these characters' names. But uh, yeah, I just felt it was just a little boring. Like, I just wish, I wish we got more shark kills, right? Like, you know, there was a decent amount, but I just, I wish we got even more. But I love that they parody Jaws in here too, as well with the final kill and all that, and even some other nods throughout. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a fun, it's a fun time. I, I could see people absolutely hating this too. I mean, if you're not like a Jersey Shore fan, but even though Todd, Todd wasn't a Jersey Shore fan and he still had a pretty good time with this. So I think if you know what you're in for, you know, if you're into those sort of cheesy sci-fi shark movies, this, this is a, one of the better bad shark movies we've probably reviewed on the show. So. (laughs) Yeah. Something that I really liked about this is the random moments that made me just fucking laugh out loud. You know, for example, I, was, I talked about, uh, you know, Walter Peck being in this and Paul Servino. Uh, they get crushed by a Ferris wheel that gets like knocked off its hinges and just really dumb shit like that. At one point, a boat explodes, but it's like an over-the-top explosion. You know, it's kind of like they did in Cruel Jaws, like way too big for the budget of the movie that it is. And just the Joy Fatone kill fucking just made me laugh out loud as well. It you know, it was, it was serviceable. It kept, sure, there are a lot of, like, stupid jokes, a lot of Italian jokes, a lot of Jersey Shore jokes that kind of got old after a while. Like, we, we get it. I, and you're right, the, the love story was just dumb. And it's another, it's like one of those situations, again, where he's clearly an abusive asshole. So why the fuck are we supposed to root for him? You know, that... But for because you like, didn't this, remember what happened that night. Yeah, I didn't remember. I didn't that, remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're forgiven. Exactly. So... But for a movie like this, fine, because it's not like a serious movie where they're trying to make us care for someone. I don't know if you're actually supposed to care for these characters. But, uh, everyone did a good job. Like, the acting was better than I thought it would be. They tried, you know, is what... They tried, yeah. They got a participation award, Laura, for this movie. And for a movie that's named this and like this, I think that's as good as we're going to get. Did you guys notice in the final shootout where they're on the boat and they go back to the dock and they, everyone has a gun? Did you see the people walking by in the background? Like, what? And then clearly yeah. they weren't paid background extras so they're like what the fuck is happening because you know there's no sound effects it's just actors like shaking guns and <laughs> and screaming i thought that was so funny which is actually funny because one of the things in the actual jersey shore that would happen a lot is they would like act out these scenes because spoiler alert jersey shore is fake uh what? like the, like they're wasted or something <laughs> on the boardwalk and they make it look like it's just a normal day on the boardwalk, you know, people walking around and stuff. But then they'd show certain shots where you could see a security line and a fucking ton of people watching them film, you know, in the <laughs> background. It's kind of like that, right? It's like, it was so obvious. And in a way, in a weird way, it kind of parodies Jersey Shore in that sense. Yeah. Fun fact, the this is the last movie the director has directed so um whether it killed his career or not but he also he also brought us some great other movies from 2005 chupacabra terror 
like that. Also from 2002, The Santa Trap. And from 2001, I saw Mummy kissing Santa Claus. So apparently he was a quite a Christmas guy for a little bit there. Um, Let's get him for this Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) One more note is I was wondering what kind of show Joey Fatone was even have because he's one of five NSYNC members. So is he like singing like his his parts of the song? (laughs) Yeah, it's a good point. (laughs) I don't. I'm like, who's excited for this? He's like he's like the only NSYNC member too that does conventions too. I know I see him at at conventions a lot for this for this movie. Yeah, I don't. I I guess I don't know. Shark (laughs) was he in Sharknado or something? Was he one of the Sharknado or something? Probably right. (laughs) NSYNC Um, Yeah. One last thing I want to mention before we move on. This is a big gripe of mine. Like, this is a big no-no in my book. A wet t-shirt contest with bras. Are you fucking mm. kidding me? <laughs> Sci-fi, dude. I know. It's just so disappointing. Yeah. It's also, here's a fun fact. The film is actually inspired by real-life events. <laughs> the Jersey Shore <laughs> shark Stupid. attacks of, from the Jersey Shore shark attacks of 1916, which mm. happened between, uh, on actually, 4th of July weekend. So there you go. Now, <laughs> Based, did, based did on there... true true events. Did the real story also have the sharks living in a shark-shaped lair? That's why I want to know. <laughs> a very random detail that they decide to add in for no reason. Yeah. All right, you want to rate it real quick? Yeah, sure. I'm I'm, yep. I'm one and a half out of five. It's it's fun. It's still bad though. I'll leave it at this. I I give it a two and a half out of five. But that's on a bad sharks movie scale. <laughs> in a real movie scale, I'm right where Todd is. Also. Just my letterbox review alone. It would have gone up a full point had the sharks fist pumped, but unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. uh, same thing for me. Two and a half uh, you know, stars. It just I had fun with it, but that's obviously also on a bad shark movie scale. I it's one of the better ones I've seen, to be honest. So all right. Yeah. All right. Deep Blue Sea, nineteen ninety-nine, directed by Rennie Harlan. Bigger, smarter, faster, meaner. Researchers on the undersea lab Aquatica have genetically altered the brains of captive sharks to develop a cure for Alzheimer's disease, but there's an unexpected side effect. The sharks got smarter, faster, and more dangerous. After a big storm damages their remote research facility, they must fight for their lives. So exactly what happens, man. They have a research facility out in the middle of nowhere, and they're researching on these big old sharks that they have secretly, mind you, genetically modified to make their brains bigger so they can harvest more of their let's call it brain juice to make cures for human uh, Alzheimer's patients. Uh, we have Thomas Jane, who is a, a ex felon with a heart of gold. And he's a shark wrangler, a job that I hope does not exist because that is fucked up how he has to risk his life every single time they need a shark. He almost gets fucking killed. Hello, cool J who plays the wisecrack and uh, chef on the research facility. Cool guy. Uh, Michael Rappaport, who's like big in the sports world now, right? That's all I see him on now. He plays like the lovable engineer that everyone likes to root for. So we are joined by Samuel Jackson, who goes to the research vessel because he's given them two days to give him um, results or he's going to shut down the facility and he wants to watch the final two days. But there's a super storm coming in and there's a skeleton crew. They get trapped in there. Oh, and the sharks are smart, remember, and they're trying to kill him. I saw this in the theater when he came out, loved it. This is the first time I've watched it in maybe 10, 12 years, something like that. So it was pretty fresh. And I still think it holds up, man. It's really fun. The CGI is dated, but there's enough practical stuff in there to make it um, pretty dang cool. And man, like that Thomas Jane, his I can't, I can't like let this go. His job is so dangerous, like unnecessarily too. Like 
I don't know. He's doing shark flips to avoid being eaten. Like every chance he goes in the water, he's almost going to get killed by a couple sharks. So I'm like, I'm, I feel for the guy. Uh, LL Cool J plays his part well. And overall, man, I just think it's a fun movie. Um, with some very surprising kills in it. And I think one of the most surprising deaths in horror history uh, that comes about midway in the film. So what'd you guys think? Yeah, so I, I've i seen this movie so many times. It's always just been just on, I guess. Like, And it, it was on TV a lot, but I remember watching it for the first time at a, at a friend's house. And uh, when did this come? What year did this come out? 99. 99 yeah so i was like 12 years old so it definitely like hit the right it was right at the right age bracket i guess for this type of movie it's just such a fun movie man and watching it as an adult now i haven't watched it sat down and fully watched it in a long time and man this movie still holds up super super well the cast fantastic i mean you get fucking thomas jane stellan skarsgård samuel jackson just just great actors throughout here even ll cool j is you know really solid and this is sort of the comedy relief but man the sharks look awesome i feel like they still for the most part like hold up some of the cgi not so much but there's they use a lot of uh practical in here too it seems or maybe like so some sort of robotics or animatronics, but whatever it is, they look fucking great for the most part. I love the idea around this whole movie. There's really never a dull moment. There's so much action and tension throughout. Yeah, to me, this this still holds up uh, as one of the greatest shark movies that's been made. Yeah, and I, I concur with what both of you said. Uh, I also saw this in theater. This is uh, late, very late high school for me. And I remember seeing it and just being kind of shocked at how great this was. That's a fun film. You know, there's a lot of kills, a lot of surprises. I mean, you know, Todd said that it has probably one of the biggest surprise kills in horror history. It almost has two. You know, we'll talk about them both uh, right after. But there are two kills in here that really shocked me the first time I watched it. And it's probably been 10, 15 years as well since I'd seen it last. And I forgot about that second one that really surprised me. So I was like, oh yeah, that's that's true. They did they went that route, which was friggin' awesome. Uh there are great shark kills in this. I thought the shark looked great as well. I mean the CGI obviously aged a little bit, 1999, you know, kind of a weird time, but it looked good. And the explosions, holy fuck, they do not fucking around with the explosions in this movie. It just shit goes down and it's a fun movie. Like it it passed by really, really quick. You know, I wasn't bored whatsoever and yeah awesome film yeah so is your uh second shocking death the bird no it's not the bird <laughs> uh no it's it's the end you know uh usually i mean well might as well say it now yes yeah, usually you know when you have a kind of uh you know you have the last female the last guy you, they're gonna hook up at the end it's kind of this whole thing uh she like jumps into the water to sacrifice herself but you think nah you know, he'll he'll get the shark before he the shark eats her, but shit, shark just fucking devours her. You're like, no, no, she'll be fine. Like Ella Cool J was fine, you know? Ella Cool J got into the shark's mouth but survived. Nope. She gets chopped right in half and fucking just, like, damn, what the fuck? No way. Yeah. And I like that that subverted the expectation that for sure she was gonna live, right? Because she's kind of the heroine of the whole story. But I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, no character is safe in this, you know. No. Like that, I was, like Todd said, like the Samuel L. Jackson kill is 
like one of the most surprising things no ever. ever like no fucking one no it. one saw that coming and i think that's what makes this movie like that is the one scene every single person who has seen this movie remembers just like holy fuck like you're killing it and i actually time stamped it it is exactly one hour into the movie that samuel jackson gets fucking eaten by that shark so uh, yeah it's crazy and then like steve said just killing off you basically your main character um at the very end there too is just completely shocking yeah and fucking thomas jane fucking saving the day badass sort of character there do we need the bird to die though i was that was very upset yes it was getting, get it was getting tired of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of the birds like comedy you know yeah. Yeah. getting old badass yeah. <laughs> yeah but there's uh, i mean there's there's just so much just good in here like yeah. it's yeah it's they really haven't been able to replicate it i feel like since honestly like i feel like there hasn't been a better shark movie that's come out since deep blue sea yeah i love the little time capsule too you got the floppy disk drive which is <laughs> extremely important and kids now they look at that and they're like what the hell is that shit but floppy disk back in the day man that's how we uh, played some games and stored data like one kilobytes worth so it's like nothing but i still think i gotta go back to thomas Jean. it's it's so fucking ridiculous and so dumb where he's doing these flips in the water like he's more agile than a shark and then he's like riding on their fins and shit i'm like give me a fucking break but um that's just nitpicking man but i i love the scene where they bring the shark up into the um the lab and it's fucking scary looking man it's just sitting on that in the little mini pool they're petting it and shit thomas jane is massaging its freaking balls and he's just like yeah and they're doing their experiment and then Another unexpected kill, well, or at least maim, is where he reaches out and grabs the fucking doctor's arm, and it's slow motion, and it's gushing blood, and it's, like, all hectic and stuff, and Thomas Jane's gonna shoot the fucking shark, and then the lady, like, releases it right in time, and that leads up to the whole sharks using, uh, destroy the fucking helicopter, helicopter crash, and has that big-ass explosion, but then they grab Stone Skarsgård's, um, what's it called, a gurney, and they throw them into the glass to break it. I'm like, that whole, se- like, 20 minutes, it's just fucking nuts. Absolutely. that That's probably the best scene or best sequence in the entire sort of movie and sets up sort of the whole movie uh, from there. Yeah, it's so good. And just, like, the it feels, like, so authentic. Like, it doesn't feel like you're in on, like, a movie set. It really feels like you're deep underwater with them, which I think is, you know, attributes to the set design and everything. I mean, it just really feels like you're there. Um, and it's really, really cool. Yeah. All the kills are fucking just so cool. And it, and not only the human kills, but the way they kill the sharks, you know, they're all kind of unique. They all like fucking explode and shit. And it's funny how for pretty much every kill, I guess, other than LL Cool J, I kept thinking to myself, and this is originally, cause I, I remember it a bit. I was like, Oh no no he'll be fine he'll be fine and then they're like cut in half or they eat the face off or something and you're like oh okay well i guess that character's not gonna make it you know and it's just oh god it's it's a fun movie and it's relentless it starts like immediately and keeps going right up to the to the end and i love the smart shark story because it kind of makes it kind of a slasher right they're constantly being chased by it or being outsmarted by the sharks they work in tandem like fucking raptors you know it's just it was awesome man this movie is just it's good all around yeah perfect omelet is two eggs not three 
but yeah, I love fucking Bella Cool J in this too. And when he's somehow in the oven that fits a giant fucking man, <laughs> like, wow, holy shit. And then he has an, every place, every movie has an axe. Have you ever seen an axe in real life at a fucking anywhere? No, <laughs> unless it's on a fire truck. <laughs> so right. I think it's hilarious. But like, yeah, I mirror what you guys said. Like this, it it feels big. Like the sets are so cool. And I was looking at the budget, 60 million, but I, I guess it didn't make that much money. 164 worldwide, I guess maybe underperformed. But man, like this could have been like a huge franchise. I know we got two and three, which I think I've seen. I just don't remember. But poopy movies, you know what I mean? But this movie was like, I remember being like a hit when it came out. So it's a shame we didn't get any any more big ones. Yeah, we even get some like classic uh, slasher moments where like they they fake out a shark in one scene. So uh, Susan, who's the kind of main heroine of this story, she's getting you know the um, the dementia like blood that would cure it in her locker and there's a shark that like slowly coming up behind her and she turns around but it's just a plastic shark from the lab you know like where they study kind of like shark anatomy and stuff and then i mean (laughs) todd has as his background right now she like takes off her clothes to electrocute the shark (laughs) she gets it to like her fucking panties and uh and white bra you know (laughs) yeah yeah, i'd have that scene for yeah for the 90s yeah, yeah. <laughs> right exactly the gratuitous scene not not joe, gratuitous enough but no i know enough. <laughs> yeah. joe i actually wrote this in my notes joe as an electrician would she be able to pull the cable out of the wall and not kill herself yes would she be able to stand on her little pad of clothes and not kill herself yeah she could right. as long there it is yeah. people it's, it's, it's possible it's definitely possible because the wire was had a protective sheathing it seemed okay. like um, so she wouldn't get electrocuted from that. Here's an interesting fact. Steve said the sharks are all killed in interesting ways. I just re- I had no idea about this, and this is a really cool fact. The three sharks are killed in the same way and in the same order as the three sharks in Jaws 1, 2, and 3D, blown up, electrocuted, and incinerated. So there you go. Incinerated? Cool. Fun fact. The third uh, one I guess they mean blown up. Yeah, by the sure. explosion, right? Uh, I yeah. guess. I guess that's a loose interpretation of <laughs> right. incineration. Yeah, but I, I love that LL Cool J like misses the shot, kind of. He kind of gets <laughs> it, but kind of misses. He hits fucking Thomas J. Yeah, he's like forty-five foot shark, and he hit me. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Another shark, like, and I'm curious. I don't know if you guys would know this. So, how do sharks detect people? So we know blood is the catalyst that makes them but is it by like smell is it the color swimming. i think it's is, swimming isn't it like because at the beginning they drop red wine into the ocean and that's what starts the first shark attack would a shark actually know the difference between red wine like is i'm wondering where i think it's I the smell right i thought I, I i took that as this is, looks cool in the water mm-hmm. in the although shot. another cool uh again subversion of the expectations you have you know the the young college kids are on a boat and they get attacked by the shark. They're in their bikinis and they fall into the water. And you're like, oh yeah, be like every other shark movie, they're going to get killed. And that's where the movie is going to start. And just when the shark's about to kill them, Thomas Jane like spears it and then catches it and pulls it back. So I like how it kept, it's like it knew what shark movies were before this and made sure to surprise the audience, which is awesome. It was, it was a smart movie. It was a smart movie. Who wrote this? Let's look. I mean, we all know Randy Hartland. That was part of your trivia. But uh, Duncan Kennedy, let's see what he's done. Randy Harlan is doing, uh, isn't he doing the Strangers movies coming up? I thought he, I think he was slated to he? to direct, yeah, the upcoming Strangers trilogy. Huh. 
I don't know. I'm pretty sure. Never mind, this writer has done nothing, so. <laughs> do you have anything else you guys want to add before we rate it? No, let's do it. I, I think it's a fun movie, and I think it holds up. The sharks look fantastic. The kills are surprising. The, act, the acting is really good. Uh, I'm a solid freaking four out of five on this one. Agreed. Four out of five. One of the best shark movies to come out. I love it. It still holds up to this day. Not a dull moment. Unfortunately, the sequels did not pan out. (laughs) So maybe controversial opinion here. I think this is the best shark movie other than Jaws. So probably my favorite shark movie outside of the first Jaws. I Mm -hmm. think I'd put some of the, like maybe Jaws 2 right after it, but I, I just, it's so different too, right? Than, than Jaws and I just, this one's fun. It's a, it's a, I think Jaws is like a you know masterpiece. We'll talk about it next week on our 70s episode. But uh, uh, this one, probably my second favorite shark movie of all time. So I also give it a four out of five. It's a great movie and it holds up. Surprise. I was, I hadn't seen it in a long time. And uh, yeah. actually, so I knew I owned the film on Blu-ray, but I couldn't find two anywhere. Three streaming everywhere. I couldn't find two. Turns out I bought them on Xbox last year because on Shark Week, they had it for sale for like a really cheap price. So nice. I'm going to watch two and three uh, probably this week. I remember not hating three as much as I hated two. So, but three's not very good either. But I remember like thinking it was like, like maybe a third, two and a half type movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a unanimous decision. All yeah. four out of five. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Nice. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to wrap it up for this episode. We hope you enjoyed our reviews. Don't forget, stick around for our interview with Casper Van Dien and Alice Lucy from Mad Heidi. In the meantime, you can keep up with the podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search the Horror Squad podcast. Oh, and also threads now. Yes, people are doing the threads these days, so jump on threads as well. The Horror Squad podcast. You can email us anytime, Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, the absolute best way to keep up with the podcast is our Discord. Just send any of us a DM or send us a DM through our socials, and we'll get you a link to join the Discord completely free. Great community over there, so join us over on there. I think that's about it. October 20th through the 22nd, save the date. We are planning an event in Salem, Massachusetts. We will give you more details as it comes. And I think that's about it. And merch. The Horror Squad Podcast, uh, tpublic.com backslash the Horror Squad Podcast. And leave us a five star review, of course, if you haven't already on any of your podcast platforms. So don't forget, stick around for the interview right after this. And we'll see you guys next week for our 70s episode. And if you haven't sent in your lists, please send them in by Monday, I guess, would probably be the best. So we can actually, not Monday. You know, I was send them say in. like this. Yeah. A very tight we're, 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 we record on Mondays. So please send them in by Sunday if you can, uh, that we release these episodes on Fridays. So if you can send it to me by Sunday, that would be greatly appreciated if you haven't sent them already. We've already gotten a good amount of lists, but the more you send in, the more definitive we can be about what were the top 10 movies of the 1970s. So we'll see you guys next week for the ninth best top 10 of the 1970s. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, where today we are joined by two very special guests. Their new movie, Mad Heidi, will be releasing on VOD and Blu-ray July 21st. Please welcome the stars of the film, Heidi herself, Alice Lucy, 
and an actor horror fans will know from Sleepy Hollow. But of course, he is best known for the cult classic film, Starship Troopers. Welcome to the Roughnecks, Casper Van Dien. Thank you so much, guys. It's, it's a pleasure to have you on today. Wow, nice. wow, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having us. And the, and the, rough nut, uh, the rough, Roughneck uh, intro. Nice. You, you got it. So why don't we start off? Why don't you guys tell us a little bit about both of your characters from the movie and also how you got started on the project? Yeah, so I uh, got, ended up getting so got started on the project um, as my agent got in touch and said she had a script um, that had been sent through and that they wanted me to take for it. She said, it's a bit left field, but have a read and let me know what you think. Um, and I just said to her, this is absolutely up my street. It's bonkers. It's crazy. It's fun. And especially you know coming I got the script in 2021 so we were just on the way out of COVID I was like I want to have fun I want to do something that's going to make people smile that you know is just it's a bit silly um but I, I've said before the key thing that stood out to me in the project is the passion that was already put into this project the belief and the passion that they had for it and and the willingness to see it through and get it made you know this was a, a crowdfunded crowdfunded project and to be able to raise the amount that they did through you know through crowdfunding is is no uh no sort of nothing shy of their own testament to how much they wanted this and how much they believed in this project um so yeah and then I was fortunate enough to play Heidi so Heidi for me I think she's a very complex individual who throughout Heidi one, I say one in the hope that there's more, um, <laughs> the Heidi one is very much discovering who she has the potential to be. I don't think she knows who she is yet. And I don't think she knows where she sits yet, which is why you see her explore such a wide range of versions of herself. So we see the innocent, in love, naive version. We see the downtrodden, angry, very, very angry version. And we see that passion in her towards the end of end of the film. And, and I think just as you see her with Clara um, right at the end, that's, that's how I see her heading into number two. She's self-assured and she's ready and raring to go. But I think there's, she's very confused, I think in the first one and doesn't understand a lot of the feelings that she's feeling. Um, and I think she does spend a large portion of this film mad. <laughs> I would say angry because I said is it mad as in mad or mad as in angry and they said mad as in angry and I said oh okay angry Heidi didn't have the same ring to it then <laughs> oh yeah I, well first of all you know you come on a set and and I've been doing this 35 years I get on the set yeah. and then I, Alice has already been there a couple months because she's trained and hung out and everything but you come on the set and you see this young actress beautiful smart funny my wife comes in my god oh my god she's beautiful smart funny oh, yeah and she's nice and she had set the thing and she had all, she's been doing her work. So she's already established and, and you're already going, okay, this is going to be easier to do. So, you know, when they're that good and they're already doing all that work and they're already that professional, um, surprised that this was her, you know, this first big lead in a big movie. Um, and then she knocked it out of the park like that. That was awesome. It makes my job easier. I got the script when they sent it to me. I saw that they liked Starship Troopers. I was like, this is cool. I dig that kind of stuff. I'm not, I mean, I'm somebody who loves the people that love Starship Troopers and quotes. I mean, you gave me a quote right away. You're my people. I already know that. I already know that about you. I mean, I get, I'll be at the, I'll be at the grocery store and I'll be wrapped toilet paper and somebody will go, Johnny Rico, what are you doing here? And I'll be like, it happens. You know? <laughs> 
So I put that in my cart. <laughs> I'm like, ah, man. <laughs> but it's like my kids have grown up with me getting yelled at my whole life. So, uh, you know, and, and that's a good thing. You know, most people wouldn't think that's a good thing. But when you got a role where people just get so excited that they, they quote that and do this, I think Matt Heidi has the potential to do similar things in, 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 uh, in the audience's reaction and the reaction I've gotten from fans and stuff like that, especially the Starship Troopers fans. They, they're fucking through the roof about this going, dude, this is so cool. So they dig it. And that, that's always fun for me. I, I had so much fun on this. I loved everybody's excitement, especially Alice's, uh, and the, the rest of the cast and the crew that were amazing. I got to see David again, who I'd worked on Curse of King Tut's Tomb with in India. And it was great to see him again. Uh, you know, I'm just, it's just a blessing. This movie was a blessing. The only thing that I'm upset about is that I didn't get the painting of me fighting the bear. <laughs> the director wanted that and he's got it. I was, I was really hoping, I don't really take very many things from movies. I did want that one. <laughs> Nice. Now, obviously, I mean, this is such a, a crazy and unique story, but it's just, it's so different. And I think, especially horror fans, I think we'll just, we'll jump on this with the gore and everything. So I got to ask, like what, when you got this script and you read it, you know, what was your initial reaction? I think you can really see the visuals in it. You know, I, I've said before that the, the stage direction and the level of detail in the stage directions that were given um, I'd written uh, in between my first audition and my second audition, I'd written notes about the script and about the character in case they say to you, do you have any questions? So I could ask them questions. <laughs> um, but there was a, a really specific bit of imagery that stuck out to me, which was about um, Heidi's being held at gunpoint by Knorr on the top of the waterfall. And she opens her arms out in a Christ-like pose and surrenders to the waterfall. And I just think that's so, like, I could see her, I could see the arms stretched out and, and then falling. And I remember when I ended up getting the part, I, I said to my family, I said, I get to do that scene, that thing that I made a note of in March. Now in September, I said, to, you know, on the day that we shot, I said to my mom, I was like, today's the day I'm gonna fall off the cliff, which she found a bit scary. Um, but <laughs> in my head, it was such a big moment for me to really be able to take that image that was written by them on the page, on the page and be able to, to capture that. And I think, yeah, I just, I love the level of detail they put into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with her. I, I mean, when I was reading this, the, the script, I was like, how are they going to pull this off? And then when I saw it, I saw all the propaganda posters, the me as a statue and, a you know, my, my characters and all the wardrobe they had for me, everything, all the, the, the like Alice pointed out earlier in the thing, they had a, me on a face, uh, my watch, which I could probably do on my Apple watch, but I mean, it was a, a Timex like watch, you know, like, or Swiss watch or whatever it's supposed to be, but a uh, good Swiss watch, um, you know, face on it. Um, it was just like everything, you know, uh, I, it's always hard when you have to you have to wear a speedo in a scene and then they come up and do that you know that's always it's always you know you got to put your you know and it was so cold in there you know it's like, <laughs> so cold you know that you're like uh, uh uh it was just fun i i i loved every minute of it i mean and then i'm looking at it and i'm like and the audiences that we've been involved with and as more than me even but um because she's the lead and she should be but uh uh we, you know, just their reaction has been wonderful and everybody's reaction. I think this this film, you know, you can see the heart and soul and, and it's not like the same thing. Like a lot of movies nowadays when I'm watching them, uh, I don't want to bag on any movies, but sometimes it feels like it's the same thing over and over and over again. The same thing that I've seen in every other movie that might've been original at the beginning, but now it just seems like they're beating it to death. 
Well, in this movie, they beat everything to death. And I love that. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. And you, you bring up the, the propaganda posters and even the little clips. It reminded me a lot of Starship Troopers in a lot of ways. I feel like they even gave a little nod to it when they said, that, you know, I'm doing my part there. So that was pretty cool. Alice, I, now I had read that you actually did some combat training before the movie. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I was really fortunate that they managed to set aside two and a half weeks to do a whole host of training. So I was able to familiarize myself with the halberd and the katana and also with the team that I'd be working with. So um, we essentially choreographed all of the fight scenes before we shot the film so that when we got onto set and you've got so many different elements that you've, you're fighting against that we could really just get on and, and on and do it. But um, yeah, I was, I was fortunate. I was able, I'm a trained martial artist. So I have a second down black belt in Taekwondo and I was able to, to use part of those skills in, in in this training um except i've said to casper before it was i've never had to make it look pretty and i've never had to watch that i don't actually hit anyone um so i had to really make sure that i i worked on those elements of of it and um yeah the team were amazing they've worked on so many awesome projects with so many cool people and they like everyone else um in in the crew just thought it was bonkers in all the best ways. So mm -hmm. it really helped. And that's why, you know, everyone says, then why did you get involved? And they say, the second you read the script, it's infectious. You just, you, you're curious. And I think that's what, as human beings, we're curious about things that are, you know, bizarre and, and different. And I think that so many people wanted to see how it would turn out. And so many people wanted to be part of making it happen. And that's been so lovely. Awesome. And Casper, you, of course, I'm sure are no stranger to combat training. I'm sure you did a great deal of it on Starship Troopers. My listeners would kill me if I didn't throw in at least one Starship Troopers question. So I'll just keep it simple. Will we see more Johnny Rico in the future? Well, I hope so. I mean, uh, we came really close to doing uh, a series. Uh, after I did Alita Battle Angel with uh, Robert Rodriguez, who all he wanted to talk about when I was filming this scene with Christoph Waltz, was Starship Troopers the whole day. And he told me how he has his musical playlist and that there's 150 movies he puts in the background. And 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 whenever the, they, they that movie, three movies come on that he always turns, he, what he does is he turns, he's editing or, or, or uh, writing a script. He has this music, uh, the, the movie list playing in the background, 150 movies. He turns the volume down really low so you can barely hear it. And then he puts rolling thunder so he can concentrate. But three movies come on. He always turns the thunder off and cranks up the volume. And one of those is Starship Troopers. And he goes, I can't tell you how many times I watch it a month. And I'm going, what? And you're like, so, so he's sitting there. But Sony called me up after that because they heard me talk about it in an interview. And they go, do you think Robert Rodriguez would do the TV series of Starship Troopers? And I go, I can ask him. So I asked him. And he goes, well, let's you and me and Ed talk. So we did like seven Skype interviews. And he, he gave us all the notes. And we were about to go. But then they had a changing of the guard. Mm. And it just went away. And Robert then got on a little show called, uh, you know, the Book of Boba Fett. Mm. And we, when they came back to me, and so he goes, "Do you think Robert would do it?" I'm like, <laughs> "I'll ask him again." But <laughs> so I asked him, and he goes, "I can't. I'm under contract." Uh, but he loves Starship Troopers, and and you know, you get things like that. You get it would be fun to do that. I think that it would be fun to actually do with with either him or. Paul Verhoeven again. I'd love mm. to have him come back and do one with him. And I'm really good friends with with Ed Newmeyer and and still Paul. So I would love I would love to do that. It would be a dream for me. I'd love to be old man Rico. 
Absolutely. And the I fan, also, I mean, go ahead. Yeah. No, I just said, I mean, the fans would go crazy for it. Did that TV series with Robert Rodriguez? I'm going to be thinking about that for the rest of the night now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Thanks for putting it back up. <laughs> Sorry. All right, just uh, just two more, guys. Now we are teased, of course, at the end of Mad Heidi with a potential sequel. Alice, can you share any potential details? Have you heard anything? So I have heard bits and pieces. I know that they're focusing on the global launch of Mad Heidi 1 at the moment. Um, obviously, it's coming out in the U.S., um, later in the month and it's currently they're currently in Japan uh, because we're having a cinema release over in Japan um, I probably every other week send them different plot points that I would like to include in the second one um, and different ideas that I have in the second one uh, to the point where they keep saying to me are you writing this or are we writing this and I go we should write it together um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of ideas that I think are, are out there at the moment. I know that obviously skiing is very big in Switzerland and our, we've spoken about maybe having, you know, it's in the winter, we're on the slopes. There's some chases, there's some gunfights. Everyone loves them when they're in James Bond. Why not in Mad Heidi? Um, so yeah, I think there's, there's lots of conversations, but we want to make sure that we do Mad Heidi justice and give her the launch that she deserves. Absolutely. And and we certainly look forward to that. Before we let you guys go, is there anything else you'd like to promote? Anything upcoming or any or where the listeners can find you on social media to keep up with, with you guys? Yeah, so I'm on uh, Instagram. I'm alice.e.lucy over there. Um, I have a TikTok page, but I'm, it's not as interesting as people would hope it is. I'm going to work on it. So if you follow me, I will work on it, I promise. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, there's a, a few projects I'm really excited about coming up that I'm not allowed to talk about just yet. But if you follow me, you will be the first people to see it. Oh. Well, I'm going to follow you. You already <laughs> do follow me. Oh, yes, great. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm just at Casper Van Dien on everything. On, on well, Just on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, I'm not on the other things because i i'm old um so i don't do any of that uh but uh if and if you can't find alice you can find her on my page because i already follow her so <laughs> and i always tag her i always tag her in all my heidi things i have a movie coming out on the 14th called the flood with nikki whalen and louis mandalore who i also did the you know uh battle for saipan which is out right now too and then i also have a movie come uh, out on on to be or not to be on to be on uh, that is called uh, Hunt Club with Mickey Rourke and Mina Savari. I'm in that one. I play a murderous guy in that. I also have Daughter Out where I play a really horrible murderer guy. And then I have uh, County Line No Fear where I play a really bad killer guy, cowboy, black hat cowboy. And then I have Champ Heart of a Champion where I play White Hat, good guy. Um, and, and then I also am in uh, Monsters of California that comes out in September, Tom DeLong directed. It has Richard Kind huh? and a whole bunch of cool kids. So awesome about that, and that's all got all the alien stuff in it, and uh, oh, it was a lot of fun. He directs musically; it's so much fun. He's so talented. Mm -hmm. I went to their concert last night, Blink One Eighty Two, rocking, from Tampa. Got awesome. Um, before out in his dressing room, just hung out for hours. He's just a cool dude. Very cool. Awesome, guys. Well, we thank you so much for your uh, joining us today. We really appreciate it. everyone. Make sure you go and catch Mad Heidi July twenty first on Blu Ray and VOD. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you.
Trust a shark, right? 